The word genius, though, doesn't actually mean a clever person. The root word for genius is from Latin, and it means spirit. And this is kind of like the key, one of the key parts of the purpose journey is you were born on a certain day at a certain time of all of time. And the chances of you being born as you, exactly as you, are so infinitesimally small that you should not actually exist. So why, why were you born as you right here, right now? Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Hi, welcome to Purposely with Good Grow Guy, Tim Jones. This is episode two of two. In this episode, we focus on purpose. Purpose, so important to people right now, so important to businesses. You'll learn a lot from Tim. He's a great guy. He loves to riff. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend. Enjoy the episode. We haven't met in person. Um, I've said to you before the recording that I actually have been sort of dwelling or you know, thinking about pondering, contacting you for at least a couple of years. You exude... Yep. Huge amounts of confidence, and I love the description of you on the pod, on your uh, website, which is um, uh, that someone said uh, you have the, uh, the thinking ability of Russell Brand, the energy of Tony Robbins, and the humour of Greg Davies. Are, are you <laughs> fundamentally a really confident, out there, extroverted person, or what is the real Tim Jones? That's a great question. The real Slim Shady. Um, I think growing up. I think that this. I think that the, the version of me now is not who I've always been. I, I went to you know a, a pretty strict private school in England where there wasn't really much realm for artistic creation and you know you really being you. You know you kind of just you go along, yes sir, no sir. You know you you stand in line, you you kind of do what you're told. And I, I do remember. I mean, getting into sales, I spent you know ten years in a sales role, so clearly I'm not a complete introvert. Um, I, I'd say, if anything, I was probably an ambivert, which is, you know, where you, you're comfortable with quiet, you're comfortable, um, you know, with silence, you're comfortable with your own energy, but equally, you don't mind uh, being in an extroverted position where you might have to talk or you might be surrounded by people. So I'd say I'm probably actually an ambivert rather than either, with the, either you know, either extreme. But I do remember when I, when I was going through the thought process, like, I want to get out of medical I started writing down some things like, you know, what, what is it that I feel like I'm missing or what is it that I feel like I want more of? And creativity and being being more me was definitely something that I, I recall. And I guess the, who I am today, I, I was thinking about this just the other night. I remember, you know, agonizing over writing my first article on LinkedIn. And this would have been 2016 or 2015. When I first went out on my own, it's like, I should probably start getting some content out there. And I remember being very reticent about even post, like posting something on LinkedIn back in 2015, 2016, because it's kind of like, I'm putting me out there. And what if people don't like me? So I think I, I'm, the version of me now is massively more energetic and outgoing when I need to be, because I guess, you know, a large part of what the work I deliver is, is, is training events. You know, I still love live, which is like the Tony Robbins part of me. I love a room full of people. We get the music going, we get them thinking, we get them, you know, asking deep questions. We have some great outcomes. So yeah, definitely have that. But equally, I'm, I love going for a walk by myself in the morning, listening to a podcast <laughs> and not talking to anyone. So yeah, but I think I feel, 
I feel more at home as me than I ever have done. And I think partly that was the purpose journey that I went through. I think partly, um, you know, you get, I'm 43, turning 44 in July. I think as you just get older, you just realize, you know, stuff it. They can just take me as I come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you lose some of, some of that, um, you know, from, from a younger age where you are more concerned about what people think about you. And do you still get nervous when you go on stage? Like you do a lot of that sort of talking. To be honest, not really. Um, I just love it. I, I love the energy. If I have a little poster right in front of me above my cameras and TV screens here, where it just says, you know, bring the energy and it's got little clips and, and photos of me delivering training events. I, I just love it. I, I, I really thrive on the, um, you know, most of the, when we're doing training, the consulting is pretty formulaic. Like you, you, there's a structure that you kind of pretty much have to follow, but I try and inject little bits of humor and, you know, try and make it uh, going through a fairly rigorous audit process as humorous and, and, you know, enlightening as, as possible. But when it comes to training events, I, I have a, a, you know, a deck of slides that I use as my, um, well, I, I use them like, a, you know, they, they have lots of imagery on them. So it's trying to get people connecting to an idea and what have you. I love that when you get into a live event and people ask a question and you're like, hey, we weren't going to go down this route today, but is everyone cool if we go on a 10 minute detour and we can talk about this? That's what I, I just love that kind of live energy. And I don't really get nervous at all anymore. I think when I first started, I used to be really nervous. Like, have I got everything? Have I got my laser pointer? Have I got my, my pens? You know, is the room set up okay? I get nervous if I'm doing a live event about the room setup and making sure that, you know, everything's, you know, does the AV work? But in terms of delivering the content, I think I'm... I'm so comfortable with the content because it's the content that I've spent now probably 10 years thinking and refining. And focusing a bit on the fact that you're a British born, grew up in the, in the UK, uh, as you said before, you're sort of half Welsh, half English, someone who has done the opposite um, and kind of walked a similar journey as you, but in an opposite fashion, in another hemisphere. Yeah. I actually, do you know, I found, um, I actually found coming home to New Zealand after a long stretch in the UK quite challenging. I think it was really around identity what how how important is um where you're from in terms of your identity i think it's massive and, and i think i think this is one of the one of the big contributors or contributors to the sort of the, the general modern mental health malaise i think at the core of it purpose is, is is something that's not mentioned when we talk about mental health crisis it's kind of like you know you just need to either go for a walk you know hang out with your mates it's all going to be okay that you know i'm being flippant to a degree I think, I think the core part of why there's such a big mental health crisis is this lack of meaning that most of us get through the work that we do. But a big part of that purpose journey is identity. Like, who, who are you? And um, there's a couple of really good expressions on that. But this, is, this is a bit of a tongue twister. So I can't remember who coined it, but it's basically, I am not who I think I am. I am not who I think you think I am. I am what you think I think I am. <laughs> so... Most of us are living in a world where we're so predisposed as to what other people think about us that we kind of create a different identity. This is where you get some really cool stuff. So the um, the word persona is, uh, I believe it comes from Greek, um, which and it means mask. So most of us have a persona, which is a mask that we put on to let people think that we are who we want them to think who we are. So I think that's, that's a big part of it. And again, that ties massively into the mental health crisis. So like I say, a big part of the... To, to sort of summarize the purpose journey, you need to know who am I today and why am I who I am today? And to do that, you need to go back and work out what has led you to be who you are today. And this is why, you know, people queue up for days to go and buy tickets for the Star Wars movie or the Hobbit movie or the Harry Potter movies, because the journey of self-exploration 
is the journey that we all need to go on, which is the which is the purpose journey. Who am I? Why am I who I am? And what has led me to be who I am today? So actually going back over your life history and looking at all those critical moments and all those influences that have led you to be who you are today. Because as an adult, about you know, 95% of your day-to-day decision-making is created, is, is run by your subconscious. So it is subconscious. You, know, you do not know that you're doing it. But that thinking or that operating system is put into you through the developmental years of between zero and seven. So unless you've actually challenged who you are and how you think about everything, you are running on a very old operating system, which is not potentially serving you. Some people have a great run through and, and they are actually very, you know, um, pure to who they were born or, or you know, the, the, the potential that they had at, at, their, at their birth. One of my favorite uh, words is genius. So if I said to you, Mark, n- name me someone who you would consider to have been a genius. Who would you, who, what, what sort of character or name there's typically a, a name that comes up when i ask people to name me someone who you would say was a genius steve jobs steve jobs okay i like it a lot of time we get einstein or we get like stephen hawking you know like genius the word genius though doesn't actually mean a clever person the root word for genius is from latin and it means spirit and th- this is kind of like the key one of the key parts of the purpose journey is y- you were born as mark on a certain day, at a certain time, of all of time, and the chances of you being born as you, exactly as you, are so infinitesimally small that you should not actually exist. So why why were you born as you right here, right now? And that version of you that was born has then been corrupted as you've grown up, the school you went to, you know, your parents' beliefs and ideals, the stuff that they've inherited from their parents and so on and so forth. You, you had probably, well, you, everyone has, uh, you would have had, you know, sliding door moments throughout your life. Or do I go to university, not university? Which university? Do I take this job? Do I take that job? All of that has influenced you to be who you are today. So actually working out who you are and, and what has constructed you is massive. And again, most people don't want to do that because it's hard and you have to go and fight some demons and you have to go and challenge everything that you hold to be true. You need to go and challenge and not many people want to do that. So there's, I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it of identity. Um, so again, in front of me here, I have a big Welsh dragon flag because, you know, I'm a Jones, let's face it. And, you know, it's about as Welsh as you can get. I think the, the other part that in the sort of Western democratized world that we're really bad at connecting to is our ancestry and working out, you know, what, what where have we actually come from? And what I love about the, the Welsh flag, so for those of you who don't know what the Welsh flag is, it's got a green bottom half, a white top half with a big red dragon in the middle of it. It's very recognisable. Now, the red dragon f- standard or flag definitely came from a guy called Uther Pendragon, who was a Romano-British warlord in maybe somewhere around the four to 500s AD. And if King Arthur did exist, it's most likely that Uther was either his dad or an uncle or very close blood uh, relative. Now, Uther Pendragon got the red dragon flag from a, a Roman legion, uh, a cavalry legion that was active in Britain called the Draco Legion. And the Draco Legion got the red dragon battle standard from Dacia, which is basically pre sort of civilization uh, Romania. And we don't know where or why the Dacians got the red dragon from. So I, I have that there because I have a connection that goes back potentially, I mean, who knows, tens of thousands of years to some person in Dacia who decided to put a red dragon on a piece of rock or something or a piece of cloth. And I think it's important to think about, well, where have I come from? But also, am am I upholding the virtues of every person that has looked at that 
Red Dragon standard, who's used that as a call to action of something throughout history. And, and again, I think, but probably it's, it's the medieval history degree coming out with me as well. It's the geeky stuff. You know, we don't, a lot of people just don't even know where they come from. Like you, you might know where mum and dad came from, or you might know granddad or grandma or great grandparents. And actually, I got a really geek out on this one. So um, a few years back, it was again, just after our daughter was born, I went through um, on ancestry.com because my mum had mentioned a couple of things and I was like, oh yeah, let's, let's you know, we'll, we'll pay for an account for for a bit and we'll, we'll really get stuck into it. And my mum's mum's maiden name was Halsall, H-A-L-S-A-L-L. And researching her line, we got back to um, the Norman Conquest, so 1066, the little town uh, that is now called Halsall, before it was called Halsall, had a, a Saxon name. So Halsall is a Norman name. And the gentleman who named it Halsall was Gilaim de Halsall, who was a Norman knight who fought at the Battle of Hastings. And as part of his, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, show fee or attendance fee, you know, he was gifted this Saxon village. So I have a direct ancestor, Gilaim de Halsall. I studied the Norman Conquest for, uh, and in fact, the Battle of Hastings, 1066, for my dissertation. And I had no idea that I had an ancestor who fought at that battle. And you just kind of go, well, that's interesting. You know, was something, you know, why was, and, and, and this is a long-winded way of getting to the second part of, or, or the third part of the purpose journey. So part one is, who am I? Do I like who I am? And why am I who I am? Go back, check out through, you know, recent history, your own history, and, and some of your, you know, as far back as you can in, in your family's history to see for the, 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 the clues and, and, and traces for, for what's led you to be where you are today. But the second part of it, Try the third part of it is, and this is a line from Carl Jung, you know, what is curiosity and why do we have curiosity? Because in, in many ways, being curious is quite an evolutionary, interesting concept. You know, what's over the edge of this cliff? Oh no, it's thin air. I've just fallen to my death. Versus, or oh, what happens if I rub these two sticks together? Oh, it's created fire. Well, that's quite useful. So, you know, curiosity is, is, a, is a double-edged sword for humanity. But Carl Jung described curiosity as it being the, the things that you are curious about are, is the potential best version of you calling itself to the future. And I just think like that's such a beautiful way of thinking about it. And that's the third part of purpose is, well, what are the things that you're curious about? Like what's calling you forward? What is it the thing, what is what is taking your curiosity? Because we don't really know how curiosity works. Yeah. So what, why, why, why is it there? So if, yeah, if you can understand who you are today, what's created your identity, check in on what's led you to be there. And this is, you know, why we have the, the, the um, you know, it's like it's the phoenix, you know, burning, burning the parts of you that no longer serve you off to leave space for this, this future version of you, this curious, this curiosity that you can bring in to fill that gap. And that's why, you know, the creation myth stories uh, and, and the stories of all the main um, religions across time have some element of a moon god and a sun god that chase each other and kill each other on a 12 hour, on a 12 hour basis. Every 12 hours, you get the opportunity to die and be reborn. And that's, that is the underlying story in, in all major religions, is this idea of a death and a rebirth. And that's what we need to be doing. But it's hard, and people don't do it. I was just sitting here thinking, and I know you've got the Welsh flag right in front of you. Um, and I was thinking about the, 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 what you just said then. And I remember you know, a Kiwi abroad in the UK, and I'd dial up my uh, Kiwiness, uh, and I would grapple on to Kiwi things. I mean, even to the point where I'd meet people in a uh, cafe called Flat White just because that tickled me. And they had a board out the front that said, yeah, nah, which is 
totally confusing to Brits, which I love. <laughs> but then I, I find myself back in New Zealand and I dial up my Britishness and I, I let people think I'm British and don't correct them. That kind of, um, and I've just kind of got comfortable with the fact that that's just the yep. mixed up identity I quite like. And actually my, heri- my heritage is from that as well. So um, in terms of like going back to um, a little bit about identity and, you know, you, you're, you're an ex-army, rugby playing, big, strapping lad lots of confidence um but what's your view on like masculinity and you know like how how do you feel as a man like do you put much on your masculinity do you has has it evolved as over time that's a great question you know i i what's where i live I, i live with my wife and my daughter and my mother in law lives with us in a like a granny flat extension and typically when we have a family event we add into that mix my mum and my sister-in-law. So I swim in a pool of estrogen on a daily basis. So I actually kind of feel like, yeah, I'm six foot four, 120 kilos, former rugby player, been in the army. But I actually, I don't feel like I'm a, a very manly man in many ways. You know, I'm pretty crap at fixing things. I've got some bookshelves behind me. I've got my mate Hayden to put those up because if I put them up, they'd have fallen down straight away. But again, it's, I guess you could also then go, well, what is masculinity? And I, I do like to look back historically and archetypically. I think in general, there are generally roles that men are better suited to because of the nature of, of what we are and how we turn up on the, you know, in general. Vast, vast, vast generalizations. But in general, men are typically better at tinkering with things. Um, they're less empathetic, uh, you know, whereas in general... Uh, females care more about others, they care more about human things, and they have higher empathy because, in general, historically, for the last however many hundreds of thousands of years we've been, you know, making kids, it's generally the female that is designed to look after the kids. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. You know, I, I tend to try and steer away from arguments around toxic masculinity and all this kind of stuff, you know it just comes back to, to you being comfortable with who you are, yeah. you know, and, and but genuinely being who you are. But I think, um, yeah, it, it is an interesting global landscape that we're in around the whole concept of masculinity. But I don't think, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I, I don't think guys should be ashamed to be guys and be, be masculine, but with, with virtue underneath it, you know, be, be a good man. Uh, don't just be a man or a bloke. You know, I think there are there are many, but you know, equally there are stereotypes on both sides that people can fall into. But I think in general, if you can, if you can be a strong masculine figure, you know, we, there's um, oh, I can't remember the, the, the guy's name now. He wrote um, it's a book called uh, I think it's King Warrior. Um, they're kind of like four masculine archetypes: it's king, warrior, magician. I can't remember that off the top of my head. I'll, I'll send it through. Um, I'll Google it and send you the links for it. Yeah, I'll put it in the notes. He, talk, he talks about like the four, if, if you look at the masculine archetype, there's kind of like four, um, generally, historically speaking, there are four sort of masculine archetypes. And yeah, I, I think I think we, 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 we are at risk of throwing out some of these archetypical ideals that have been here for thousands of years that have actually got us quite a long way. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky one. Um, but I think that we, that there are risks of, of masculinity, this whole toxic masculinity, you know, it just, it kind of feels like it's thrown out there really, really mm. quickly without anyone actually kind of, you know, 
well, can we actually get a definition of it? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. But I, for me, understand who you are, understand where you've come from, connect to some real, you know, proper values and virtues. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a massive role for, for men and, and for, for better men, male role models, you know, actually stepping up and, and doing what we're, what we're good at doing. And just as we move towards wrapping up, just focusing a bit on, your, you know, you're effectively running your own business, got a small team. Yep. You've, you've admitted to me that you, you like working from home because you get easily distracted by other human beings. What's your daily discipline? How do you get stuff done and how do you stay disciplined? It's so like I say, I, I, I love getting out for a walk in the morning, take the dog for a walk, listen to a podcast. Um, that just gets my brain flowing, you know, gets, get, get my body moving, get some vitamin D, get to look at some nice views out here from, I live in Holswell in Christchurch, if anyone else uh, knows where that is, but yeah, yeah, get this couple of nice little reserves. I can go for a walk. Um, and then I get back, um, depending on, on the schedule, like sometimes I'll drop my daughter at school. Um, so I typically don't get, I, I don't normally book any meetings before 10 a.m. Because if I am going to drop, my daughter only goes to school up the road, so it's like a, a five, 10 minute walk. But I'll sometimes drop her off and then sort of go for my walk. So I might not be back until half nine, quarter to 10. So then pretty much 10 o'clock is, is when I try and hit my day. And I think, you know, with the, just on, as I was saying before, you know, I was recording my own podcast episode before this and talking to um, one of our clients, Jamie, when you have a deep sense of purpose, it's actually really easy to get stuff done. And the risk is you just want to keep doing so much stuff that you stop, you, you know, you stop to stop um, and, and you just kind of keep going. So I find generally getting stuff done pretty good. I use a lot of sort of high energy dance music on my little speaker next to me just to get that repetitive kind of rhythmic music going in the background. The challenge I have for me is there are so many things that I want to do. There are so many little projects that I want to do. There are so many, you know, there's just so much to do that it actually just comes down for me to prioritizing what I what I can do today. That's where I, I'm still I'm still working on that one. And that's why I'm starting to build a team around me of people that have that skill and that can say, hey, no, Tim, actually, can you just stop doing that? And can you go and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never short of an idea. I'm great at coming up with new ideas. The execution is is the part that I'm not so good at. But I think that's what makes me a good coach and trainer is that I can kind of fill that room and we can bring the energy. But if you actually you know, sit me down and, and ask me to complete a project, not so good at that. But again, that's why I'm trying to build a team around me. And for those listening, there's so much that you guys offer and you offer. Um, podcast, tell us about that. Tell us about if you're a business leader and you're sitting there thinking i want a piece of tim's energy or i want to be a b corp like how do how do people find you yeah so we've got a podcast it's called the be better podcast so we it's been interesting because we because we do offer a range of services but we've actually i guess um solidified it a bit where essentially pretty you know from now on if you want to work with us we start with b corp so that's kind of like our entry level. So if anyone wants to is, is curious about B Corp, wants to learn a bit more, we've got tons of free resources on the website. Um, go and check out the podcast. Um, we've got a YouTube channel where there's some videos up, up there explaining kind of what B Corp is. Um, and we're just about to start tidying that up and get getting that a bit more of a better order so it's easier to sort of find some of that content. In general, where, where we're starting with most companies now is let's start with B Corp. Let's, let's get a benchmark of the good that you are doing. Um, let's understand where you could maybe start doing a bit more good. And then we can look at the rest of it. So let's 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 take a snapshot of what you're doing. Then we can talk about the purpose stuff. Let's go deeper on your purpose. Then we can talk about some sales training maybe to help you scale, get more revenue in so then you can do more purpose. So 
that's typically where we start. We're obviously we're, we're open to people if they just want to do some purpose work with us or, or whatever else. But yeah, we, we're generally starting with the B Corp stuff, and that's that's made our business a lot easier to manage by just focusing on on sort of the one message and, and the one offer to the market in general. So, um, but yeah, happy to connect on LinkedIn. That's pretty much where I, I spend um, my social media time. And just really quickly, a couple of quick fire questions, um, if you don't mind. What are you reading? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Oh, my word. What am I not reading? I've got a mate of mine, Carl Davidson. He probably twice a week, he sends me an email. Oh, you need to buy this book. And I'm like, dude, I still haven't bought the one that you sent me two years ago <laughs> because you've sent me 50 others. Um, at the minute, I, I actually don't have a book open. I'm really just getting into podcasts at the minute. I just find it, yeah, like really easy to to get information uh, whilst I'm walking. I guess it's like trying to double up that time. Um, a couple of the podcasts that um, I've been listening into, there's a good one by a guy called Scott Barry Kaufman called The Psychology Podcast. Um, he's got some, he, he, yeah, he's a clinical psychologist and, and he um, interviews a whole lot of other sort of psychologists and other sort of brain experts to try and um, understand what's, what's going on. I've been listening to, yeah, quite a few kind of Jungian ones. Um, there's one, uh, what's it called? Uh, well, yeah, the uh, Jung, Jungian Thology. It's a terrible name to say. Jungian Thology podcast. So they they um, post all these interviews from quite often from, from many years ago, like original cassette recordings of uh, Jungian type people talking stuff. Um, that's a good one. Guilty pleasures would be Joe Rogan. I, 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 you know, we're not supposed to talk about Joe Rogan. Hashtag fake news. I don't know. But to be honest, I think a lot of people that, that lambasted him, it's like, well, have you actually listened to any of his episodes? No. Okay, right. We'll go back and listen to all his episodes and then work out if he's actually a racist because I, I, I don't think he is. Yeah. Um, but he interviews a lot of, you know, different esoteric people. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and yeah, we're both on Anchor. So um, effectively, we're on Spotify. So uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Check us out. out. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I mean, I should say as well that the big thing book-wise at the minute is I'm actually, I've started writing a book. So I've laid it out. I've got the chapters laid out. So my, my main focus at the minute is, is actually to create a book. The working title is Get Purpose at Work, looking at organizational purpose and B Corp and, and you know, what is it all about? So at the minute, that's my main focus is actually trying to birth my own book rather than read it. I've got another little note in front of me that says create and it's got consume um, stri- sort of striked out or struck out. So it's like do more creation, less consumption of other people's content. Yeah. Fantastic conversation. We started it talking about B Corp and I'm as passionate uh, as you about that. Um, not not quite an accident yet, but um, I, you know, absolutely believe in in uh, business beyond profit. So congratulations on the work that you're doing. Um, really good conversation. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. No worries. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing because I sure do.